0: See you. dr chuck tingle and welcome to my big time show this is a podcast show and then that means we have to prove love is real through our listening ears what what a dang good way so this is my show for first things first gotta tell you about the question of who the heck is chuck well i'm top dog in the writing world and the world's greatest author next question just kidding i could tell you more Uh, Top author Chuck Tingle, Uh, this is me, lives in Billings, Montana, with my son John. He is the talk of the dang town. He is so kind and handsome. And I wish he could hang the heck out all day, but he has to go dang work. So that is when I am home alone. Like hit movie name of what the heck there's bandits in my house, better hit them with a can. Starring Collie Kraken. Also there is Chloe. She is married to son John, and she has a nice way. And there are also the neighborhood birds. They tell stories from the dang wire about what the heck is going on down the down the street. This is important because there's also Devil Man next door. His name is Ted Cobbler. And he thinks he is the best, but he is the dang worst. Wish Ted would fall in that snake pit. Uh, but that's a story for another day. Don't want to waste time talking on scoundrels. When it's time to introduce my big time show. Uh, this is first story of a new series, a name of Pounded in the Butt by my own butt. It is an important tale of love between man and butt. So the story asked question, what the heck would happen if you cloned your butt and it was handsome? Do you want to take it to dinner and show it a good time? Would you trot together playfully? Or would you feel the cosmic horror of big time question? Which of our butts is the real butt? Listen now as True Buckaroo, name of Cecil Baldwin, reads this important tale.
1: All right, so this is Pounded in the Butt, by my own butt, by Chuck Tingle. (laughs) Where does the miracle of science end and magic begin? Some people would say never, that magic is nothing more than something we can't quite understand yet, but eventually will. Just because a force seems mysterious and exotic doesn't mean that it can't be quantified later on. As a young researcher, I hadn't been around in my field long enough to see any of these enormous changes take place, but I like to remind myself about things in the present that must have seemed like magic to those in the past. Electricity alone could have been framed in another way decades ago, considered the result of hours upon hours of careful black magic. Of course, I know better. Magic isn't real, nor the various mystical trappings that come along with it, love at first sight or luck, just to name a few. I'm a staunch skeptic, as anyone else with my job, a research assistant at Rubble Biological Labs should be. But even a hardline skeptic like me can't help but feel a little twinge of magic in the air when they first hear the news about Hunter Tuck Island. The now private island was recently purchased by a rather eccentric billionaire who immediately went to work doing clone research and creating several living copies of himself. At first, the news of the small island colony was met by various scoffs of doubt. But as time went on and evidence was presented, the findings were quickly regarded as scientific truth. Of course, there are a whole slew of ethical arguments to be addressed here, especially because the clones were not exact replicas, but rather mutants of the original sample, biologically programmed to be less intelligent drone workers. These drones were then used to build an entirely new infrastructure on the island. And I was ecstatic. I mean, finally, the first massive shift in biology, and I am poised on the front lines of progress. But once the breakthroughs on Hunter Tuck Island became regarded as scientific fact, the ability to recreate such incredible results was quickly locked up tight. And I can't blame them. After all, once we have the ability to create these worker drone clones, the business potential is almost unlimited. The entire industry would be a gold mine, redefining the entire world's economy. Of course, the government was quick to step in and put a stop to all of this. Regardless of what a league of worker drone clones could do for progress, there were just too many people getting worked up about the human rights of such mindless creatures. Now, maybe they had a point, maybe not, but it was an absolutely fascinating new discovery nonetheless. Here at Rubble Biological Labs, we've taken a balanced approach to moving forward. We've used the early results from Hunter Tuck Island to create the basis of our experiments, but started over completely with the rest of the research. To describe it another way, we've taken a photo of their finished puzzle, and now we are working hard to put all the pieces back into the right place. Thanks to a massive loophole, all of our research is perfectly legal. So long as we don't use any exact copies of the Hunter Tuck method, and as long as we aren't hiring any outside test subjects, the only people that we are allowed to test on are ourselves. As intimidating as it could be to have a potential clone running around out there in the world, it's really not that hard to volunteer for experimentation because to this day, none of the experiments have yielded any living results. That is, until today. I walked into work that morning, like I would on any other day, uh, swiping my keycard through the laboratory reader and walking past as the automatic door opens with a soft hiss. I say hello to the security guards and continue down a long hallway into the depths of the facility until I reach Lab 243, a highly secretive and high clearance area. I swipe my card again and enter. ''Kirk!'' shouts one of my colleagues, Dr. Porter, as he sees me. He opens his arms wide and stands up from his row of computers to greet me with a warm hug. Today is the big day. I know, i say with a laugh. I'm up to bat. Dr. Porter motions me over to his lead computer and types in a few quick commands, a bright blue display of cloning schematics popping up onto his computer screen. My eyes go wide the second I see it uh, to see what is uh, he has planned. Oh, whoa. It's great, isn't it? Dr. Porter offers with an excited smile. The cloning process on the surface is a fairly simple, it's fairly simple to accomplish, but not in the way that we want to do it. Anyone can extract some DNA and place it into an egg, creating a new version of you at birth that will take nine months to gestate and then come out as a beautiful, bouncing baby. However, for our practical application of cloning worker drones or, and other specified jobs, for that matter, we need our clones to emerge at the same age as the subject. In other words, I'm a 22-year-old man, and we need my worker drone to be as well. The problem with this is that the rapid, almost instantaneous cell growth is far from stable. Instead of fully complete clones, we have been creating strange and disturbing piles of lifeless flesh. Or worse, (laughs) if I wasn't so interested in science and human progress, then I would be horrified, but instead I find myself in (laughs) utter fascination with every passing experiment. Now, of course, some positive results would be great, but each failed trial is just another brick in the road towards a result. Lately, we have been trying to keep the rapid cell growth stable by combining the DNA with small markers from various animals, as well as uh, taking them from different specific regions of the human body. Today's trial, which uh, I have been randomly selected for as the subject, is going to take DNA from my brain, my ass, and a hawk. (laughs) What a combination, (laughs) I say aloud with a laugh. Dr. Porter shrugs, last time I was in there, we tried my arm, my lung, and a catfish. (laughs) And I question curiously, we got a very creepy balloon type thing flopping around. (laughs) Dr. Porter shrugs, we had to put it down immediately. When I hear stuff like that, it makes me slightly nervous about the way that we've started playing God here at Rubble Laboratories. On one hand, I really do understand the history-making of make uh, history-making application of what we have going on here. But then on the other, it can be a little unsettling sometimes. I leave, and then I meet with our resident nurses uh, for some time, who take all the required samples from my body while Dr. Porter preps the hawk. And six hours later, we meet back at the lab. How's it looking? I asked Dr. Porter. Good, very good. He nods. The DNA has been synetis- synthesized, synthesized, that's the word, not synthesized, because that's not a word, and is already inside the egg. I look out through a large glass window before us that stares into a sterilized chamber, completely white and almost entirely empty, other than a table, a large synthetic egg, and some injection equipment. It's already in, I say excitedly. For how long? 10 minutes. Dr. Porter says, should be ready to come out at any minute now. Now, normally the gestation period takes no longer than 10 minutes. So if we don't see any results soon, our chances of success go down rapidly. I lean forward, peering into the chamber with rapt attention. I'm used to failure by now, but that doesn't mean that moments like this are any less tense. The seconds turn into minutes. And soon Dr. Porter and I are relaxed, talking to one one another about the next genetic combination that we're gonna try. It's over. The fact that there are no results at all was probably because of the brain cells, says Dr. Porter. It's just too delicate of an organ. I mean, we never get what we're looking for when we add that to the cocktail. I know, I start. I think that the brain is our only chance though. uh, We need to look at whatever is happening to the bird DNA. Other birds have had great results, but the hawk is just not happening for some reason. Dr. Porter is about to refute my statement and gets his mouth halfway open before suddenly there was a loud slam against the glass behind us. And Dr. Porter and I jump in surprise, immediately looking to find a rather large winged butt (laughs) hovering in the air just inside of the glass. Hey there, says the butt. You think you can let me out of here? I'm freezing my ass off. The rump chuckles to himself. My partner and I exchange glances of excitement. Yeah, of course, Dr. Porter says, running over to the containment chamber and opening it up. Welcome. And the flying butt flaps its way inside and then lands on the desk in front of us. Hello. Congratulations. You're our first sentient creation, Dr. Porter says, extending his hand to the butt, who takes it with his wing and shakes it firmly. (laughs) Happy to be here, says the ass, but you can call me Kirk's butt. (laughs) You know that you're my butt. I ask, of course I do, <laughs> says my winged ass. I'm made from your brain. I know everything that you know. A slight chill runs down my spine. I hadn't realized that all of my deepest secrets would suddenly be transplanted into this butt. <laughs> I try my best, but I am still just a flawed man with a penchant for running out on relationships and taking practical jokes too far. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not going to spill the beans, my butt says with a wink. I not. Dr. Porter finds himself glancing back and forth between us, clearly picking up on the vibe that's being established. After many nights out drinking with Dr. Porter, he has proven himself to be a killer wingman. And already he's showing his impeccable support once again. Yeah, it's been a long day, Dr. Porter says, doing his best to fake a yawn. Your butt can't stay here all night, there's no place to sleep. Why don't you take him home? And then we can pick this up tomorrow morning. I give Dr. Porter a knowing look of thanks, and he smiles back in return. That sounds really good to me, my ass says. Yeah, totally, I tell Dr. Porter, then turn to my living butt. Are you hungry? You know, I've never eaten. It sounds amazing, responds my sentient ass. Come on, let's go. The continuing adventures of Kirk. Kirk? Oh yeah, Kirk and Kirk's butt. Kirk's butt, which I like making one word. Is there a space in it? No, there's not, but I like making it Kirk's butt because I think it sounds like something from Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing as it is his first meal ever, I decide to splurge a bit on my butt. Come on. (laughs) Taking him out to a fancy French restaurant in the hip (laughs) part of town. It would usually be impossible to get a reservation on such a short notice. (laughs) Thankfully, I know someone who works here, and she's able to pull some strings for us. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting across from my own ass, looking deep within his soulful eye. (laughs) I'm not sure what to ask you, I confess. I mean, you know everything that I know, right? Yeah, pretty much, says the butt his wings folded neatly behind him. He takes a long sip from his wine glass, savoring every moment before setting it back down on the table. But I've never felt it, that like right here. Felt what? I ask, confused. I have all of your memories about drinking wine. I know what to expect when I do it, and I know what it's going to taste like, but I've never truly tasted it for myself. The bud explains. It's incredible. Whoa, I say, that is amazing. I'm actually kind of jealous of you now. Really? Asked my butt. Why jealous? Well, I know we're both 22, but at the same time, you have so much experience. Everything is going to be new and exciting for you. My butt smiles. Yeah, I suppose it is. Like this fucking steak that I just ordered. I laugh. Yeah, you're really interested in food, aren't you? Well, I am a butt, my butt jokes. I laugh out loud at this, impressed with his uh, similar sense of humor to my own. And for the first time in a long time, I feel like I'm really sitting across the table from someone who really gets me, like deep down to the core of my being. It's hard enough dating as a gay man in today's world of casual hookups, reckless flings. I'm looking for something more. And incredibly, I think I might've just found it. That's not to say that my feelings for my own living ass aren't sexual, far from it. The connection that I'm looking for is something that embodies every kind of attraction. If I'm going to be honest, at this very moment, I can barely contain my lust for this suave, sophisticated living butt. (laughs) Even the features that I don't directly recognize as my own are absolutely gorgeous, like the brilliant golden wings that sprout from his back. I feel like... You need a name, I tell my own butt. I know that you are a part of me and I love you, I love that about you, but you also need an identity of your own. And my ass thinks about this proposition for a moment and then nods in agreement. All right, what's my name? How about Poor-Talk, I offer. That's a pretty sexy name. (laughs) Poor-Talk, my ass repeats out loud, yeah. It's very manly, but also <laughs> seductive. I like that name a lot. Poor talk it is. I laugh, cheers to that.
0: <laughs>
1: the two of us raise our wine glasses and clink them together right as our steaks arrive, perfectly cooked and rare as can be. I watch as poor talk slices off thin, tender strips of meat and then chews it happily, swallowing with complete satisfaction. And I ask, what do you think? My winged ass smiles, it's incredible. And suddenly I find myself overwhelmed with lust for this incredible butt. I know that this is only the first night that we've known each other, but I also know that the feeling I have for this ass are not just some passing phase. This is as real as it gets. And if I don't say something now, I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life. Is there anything else that you've wanted to experience? I ask Poor Talk. And the living butt immediately picks up on the weight of my words, eyeing me more suspiciously. Yeah, of course, he says. Anything that I can help you with? I question, continuing to lead him along. I can immediately tell that poor talk understands what I am asking of him. Reading between the lines with expert precision. My butt hesitates for a moment and then finally offers I'd like to try anal. (laughs) I think I can help you with that. I tell him with a sly grin. The second that we get back to my apartment, all bets are off. Poor Tuck and me stumble through the door, kissing frantically as we make our way towards the bedroom. The second that we get inside, I push my living ass down onto the bed and watch as he spreads his majestic wings out behind him. For a living butt, his physique is quite impressive. And I laugh out loud when I realize that I'm only complimenting myself. (laughs) And I lean in towards Portok, I see a massive cock beginning to grow out the front of his body, stretching upward until it becomes a fully engorged shaft. Impressive, (laughs) I tell the butt, hey, I got it from you, Portok says with a wink. And seconds later, I open wide and engulf his massive rod in my mouth, taking his shaft down as far as I can before pulling back. I do this movement again and then again until eventually I find myself bobbing up and down on his length with a confident rhythm. My living butt is clearly enjoying himself, groaning loudly as he pushes back onto the bed and stretches his wings. Oh my God, says Portok, this is so fucking good. I pull the butt's cock out of my mouth just long enough to tell him, just wait, and then swallow his shaft completely, pushing down as far as I can. And when Portok's rod hits my gag reflex, I do everything that I can to relax, somehow managing to let his incredible size slip past my barrier. Now my face is pressed hard against his ass cheeks, his dick fully inserted into my throat. Portok puts his wings against the back of my head and keeps me there for a while. (laughs) Enjoying the control that he has over me. And my throat is stuffed completely, no sound, no air. But just so I'm about to start worrying, my ass lets me up with a huge gasp of air. I need you to fuck me, I suddenly admit in a haze of lustful desperation. I need to be pounded up the ass by my own ass. And I climb up onto the bed, pass Portok and frantically remove my clothes, tearing off my shirt, pants, and underwear while the flying butt flaps around the room <laughs> and observes my toned body. Looking good, <laughs> Portok tells me. And I give him a bashful smile and then lean forward on my hands and knees completely naked with my toned, muscular ass popped out behind me. And I reach back and give myself a playful slap on the cheek and then look back at Portok. I'm just a... Bad little twink, I admit to him, and I need to be slammed from behind. I need to be taught a lesson by my own flying gay ass. (laughs) With pleasure, poor talk tells me, flapping down and perching atop my butt. He quickly aligns the head of his cock with my puckered rectum, teasing the edge of my tightness with his impressive length. (laughs) Do it, I command. Shove it in there. Immediately, Portok pushes forward, impaling me onto his sizable length. His rod is certainly impressive, but it's also a little difficult to reckon with, filling my entire body with a swirling rush of ecstasy and aching discomfort. The rim of my butthole can barely accommodate the cock size of my magnificent cloned ass, but it does its best. stretched to the limit as Portok pushes even deeper into me. And eventually, poor talk comes to a stop, my own ass completely buried deep within my own ass. (laughs) I let out a long agonizing groan as my living butt holds there and then I brace myself against the bed before me when he begins to flap his wings and pump in and out. And soon, poor talk has found a steady rhythm pulsing in and out of my rectum with a powerful precision that is unlike any human lover I have ever experienced. The connection erupting between us right now is more than just one of depraved lust. It's an expression of pure, unfiltered love in its rawest form, the love between a man and his own living ass. (laughs) Buck, that feels so good. I cry out as Portok hammers away at my backside with his thick, girthy cock. You're so deep. And eventually, My winged, living butt pulls out of me and instructs me to turn over on the bed so that now I'm laying out on my back. And I pull my legs back, my cock jutting upward from my body. And now my reamed asshole exposed to my other asshole. (laughs) Portok flutters into position and then inserts his rod yet again, picking up where he left off as the disembodied butt continues to rail away at me. As Portok plows my hole from the front, I reach down and start to beat off my cock frantically, the sensation immediately almost too much to bear. Strange pleasure, a powerful, blossoming prostate orgasm that blooms from somewhere deep within my body and spreads across me in an awesome wave. Oh, God. I start to mumble, my eyes rolling back into my head. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm going to come. Immediately, Portok stops and pulls his lengthy rod out of me. Not like this, he says. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to blow your load inside of me. And the flying ass immediately takes a position at the edge of the bed, his butthole hanging over and ready for pounding. And I position myself for entry, grasping hold of his beautiful muscular ass cheeks as I plow forward to enter his depths. I let out a long cry of satisfaction as his ass consumes me. And then I get to work throttling Portok with a series of jackhammer-like slams against his body. I'm quaking, trembling hard as I edge closer and closer toward a powerful orgasm. And then, finally, I explode within him. I grab hold of my disembodied ass and pull him close. My length entirely inserted within Portok's tightness as I eject load after load. My whole being is consumed by blinding pleasure unlike anything I have ever felt the sensations overwhelming every sense that I have until I feel as though I've left my body completely. And eventually my massive jizz load is just too much to contain. And it comes squirting out from the edge and it runs down the crack of my living ass's ass and drips onto the bed and and splatters of pearly white. And when I finally pull out my spunk sprays everywhere, unable to remain contained, I groan. <laughs> I love coming in my own asshole. <laughs> Portuk flutters up to the level of my face. His hard cock at the ready as he drips stray cum from his butt. Now, how about your own asshole comes inside you? He offers. I smile and then open wide, allowing poor talk passage into my mouth once again. It only takes a few pumps before my lover is ready to blow and the next thing I know he's pulling out and shooting several hot ropes of jizz across my face. The first two shots land across my tongue and I swallow hungrily while the other two blasts hit either cheek and then hang down in sticky white droplets. And finally finished, me and my own ass collapse into bed exhausted. I reach over and grab some tissues, cleaning up as quickly as I can, and then pull my living ass close falling asleep with the handsome science experiment in my arms. When I wake the next morning, I immediately notice a mysterious absence in my bed. I sit up, look around, throwing back the covers to make sure Poor Talk hasn't simply slipped down below. My living ass is nowhere to be found though. Poor Talk? I call out to the empty apartment. I climb out of bed and walk into the living room where a small note has been neatly folded and left out on the coffee table. I pick it up and read aloud. Kirk. Thank you so much for the wonderful night. I really appreciate you sharing so many new and exciting experiences with me. Unfortunately, despite the love that we share for one another, I must go now. There's a whole world out there and I need to see it on my own without a relationship holding me back. Tears are welling up in my eyes now. I've been on the other side of this litter many times, writing the words for some one night stand to find in the morning. This couldn't make more sense, though. After all, Portok and me are the same person who is unable to commit. Now I know what it feels like. So I turn around and jump suddenly as I see my living ass in the bedroom doorway. He'd be hiding the whole time. What the fuck? I ask in startled joy, what is this? I know that we both have a knack for running out on relationships, Portok tells me, but we also know love when we see it. A broad smile crosses my face. I see you've also picked up on my habit of inappropriate practical jokes. (laughs) Portok laughs. Of course. Now get in here and fuck me. (laughs) It is time for round two. The end.
0: Wow, that was dang good. Can't believe this important twist ending. Oh, Kirk and Portork learn to understand each other's way even more every day not 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 just the this time but forever uh, the most, most important lesson of story is that sometimes it's okay to love yourself you are so amazing and special in your own unique way did you know that this entire timeline would be the same without you This is a true way. So thank you for being here with me on a real journey into our butt's heart. Thank you for listening. Love is real.
1: Hounded in the Butt by my own podcast is a Night Vale Presents production in partnership with PRX, written and hosted by Dr. Chuck Tingle. Our editor is Grant Stewart. Our sound designer and mixer is Vincent Cachione. Our producer is Christy Gressman. Our assistant producer is Lindsay Cronmiller. The theme song is Proving Love is Real by Caged Animals. This episode was narrated by Cecil Baldwin. The logo was created by Chuck Tingle. Very special thanks to Joseph Fink. You can get the book, Pounded in the Butt by My Own Butt, or any of its many sequels, on Amazon or Audible. For more information, go to poundedinthebuttbymyownpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe wherever you like listening to podcasts. And thanks for listening. And then it starts. The thumb, thumb, thumb of blood in my neck. And the physical arrival of a question, I can feel it in my gut. Why did the light go out? Now there are plenty of perfectly reasonable explanations for why the light went out. But for some reason my brain is only interested in the terrifying ones, the unreasonable ones. I have to look. Dreamboy. It's one word. It's a new musical fiction podcast. Look for it.